Blog Talk Radio. With God's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer, we bear witness that there is no God but God, and we bear witness that there is no God but God, and Muhammad is the messenger of God. This is your Blog Talk Radio host, John Nasheed. This is New Mind Development Project, broadcasting from the beautiful city of Mirachelle, New York, uh, this is on Thursday at 4 p.m. starting next month. We're doing it Friday this month. And also our website is nm-dp.com. And uh, please t- tune into our website also. You know, I, I recall in that morning, Muhammad mentioning to us uh, <clears throat> some time ago, he said, don't let our legacy die, Imam Warthi Muhammad. And, uh, you know, our past, the past accomplishments of, you know, the great struggles uh, in the civil rights movement, uh, the struggle in 1619, landing on the shores of uh, North America as uh, people, uh, unique people, African-American people, uh, uh, raised on slave plantations. You know, that's our legacy and the great accomplishments that we made here. And also Islamic accomplishments, 1930, uh, the nation of Islam, and even to today, following the Sunnah of our Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. That's a great accomplishment within itself, just to see a people coming from slavery in 1619 and uh, standing up today, tall in America, calling people to God's way, following the Sunnah or the traditions of uh, Prophet Muhammad. Uh, we had talked about uh, uh, Yusuf Shah, which was a very important figure. And he was a captain, he was an imam, and we talked about Imam Warthi Muhammad naturally and you know some of the accomplishments of a temple here in Manhattan, Temple Number 7. And today we're going to talk about Malcolm X, and there's so many stories, so many reports on Malcolm X. And, you know, some years ago, maybe 2000, year 2000, I did a talk at Sarah Lawrence College in Bronxville here in Westchester County, New York, uh, basically a Caucasian college uh, for, for the elite, I should say, too. And, uh, you know, very well accepted because of the great accomplishments of him coming out of darkness and evolving into light, and uh, a very dedicated man to the cause, and, you know, we thank God for him. And Malcolm X is a part of our legacy, uh, just like so, so many, many, many more. Uh, Malcolm X, uh, Malcolm Shabazz, el Haj Malik El-Shabazz, uh, shows the progression of uh, our dear brother Malcolm X. Uh, he was paroled out of prison in 1952, Actually, the walls of prison, because in those days, all of us were in prison. And in many cases, many of us are still in prison today in 2012 here in America. Uh, he became an assistant uh, in Temple Number 1. And temple Number 1 was the first temple of the Nation of Islam. Uh, he showed great promise. Abulaziz Muhammad made him assistant, just coming straight out of prison. He established the Temple of Boston, Temple Number 11, and he also expanded Number 12, that's Philadelphia, 
and uh, he was selected by the Ambalaj Muhammad uh, to lead uh, Temple Number Seven in Harlem. And as a result of him coming to New York in 1954, there was tremendous progress, rapid growth. Uh, he challenged many things, many things that were wrong in the United States of America, pointing out. And quite naturally, when you challenge, especially back in the 50s, you know, we didn't have rights in that time. African Americans didn't have the civil rights in America at that time. So actually, you put yourself at risk. This is why we say he was such a bold individual, brave and bold individual. And the FBI opened a file and surveillance was put upon him. And, you know, he was flirting with communism and also the nation of Islam. And the FBI established a file and surveillance. And he also established temples in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, number 13, Hartford, Connecticut, number 14, and Atlanta, Georgia, 15, all for the movement of the Nation of Islam under Elijah Muhammad. As I mentioned, very dedicated. Malcolm was responsible for a wave of... Uh, new recruitments during the 50s and the 60s, and he had gained most of the mostly street people, people who came out of jail, people who were on drugs, people who were criminals. In reality, that street element, that criminal element, prior to that, most of the following of the nation of Islam were, you know, Christians, good good Christians with strong values, etc. And uh, when Malcolm came in, he began to move the movement of the nation of Islam. 1958, he married uh, Betty, his sister Betty. They had met in 55, and out of that marriage, uh, six daughters. You know, there was in the history in Harlem, when he was in Harlem in 1957, there was a young man called Johnson Hinton, uh, and that was a big story. He was beaten by the New York City Police Department. And, uh, you know, near death, they beat him really bad. And along with, I believe, two or three other Nation of Islam members, they had intervened in some police activities, and the police turned on them, beat him, and put him in the hospital. And this story is in um, Spike Lee's movie and also in the autobiography of Malcolm X. And they show a part where Malcolm was standing out into the precinct. About 4,000 people had gathered, and Malcolm had went in to intervene to make sure that the brother was right. And when he was felt pretty good that he was all right, he came out and waved his hand. And the brothers made a quick left turn and began to move in military fashion. And somebody had made mention, one of the cops had made mention, that no one man should have that much power. And actually what he was saying is no black man should have that much power. And I believe that was in the Spike Lee movie. And Brother Yusuf Shah that we had talked about uh, last week, I believe it was, uh, he was a captain. He was in charge of the military. and he, All military matters were turned over to the captain. So in other words, Malcolm wouldn't have had handled that. He said it was that was him in, in real life who had waved the brothers off in that military fashion. Uh, NYPD put Malcolm under surveillance and infiltrated the Nation of Islam with undercover officers. And that still exists today. Actually, 
here that not only the New York City, but also the FBI and the CIA, I don't know what the CIA's interest is, but nonetheless, infiltrating mosques or masjids today. And this is what took place way back in that time. Malcolm X became Malcolm Shabazz. The Nation of Islam started to get national attention in 1959, you know, with him being on television broadcast. There was a program by Mike Wallace, I think it was CBS, if I'm not mistaken. The hate that produced, the hate that hate produced, and that was big, big uh, attention that was drawn to Malcolm X and the Nation of Islam. You know, there was a time, I, I believe it was in the 59 also, Fidel Castro and Nikita Khrushchev came to New York for a U.N. General Assembly. And there was a lot of tension during that time with those governments, communism and, you know, the democracy of the West. And Malcolm X was a part of the welcoming committee for Fidel Castro, you know, coming into Harlem. And uh, he attended a private meeting. Uh, with uh, Castro, and Castro also invited him to Cuba as a guest. I don't believe he went, but I believe he was invited. Malcolm promoted the Nation of Islam's teachings of the black original people being superior to whites, that whites were devils, and separation. Not only just separation, but complete and total separation. And at at the same time, the civil rights movements were fighting against separation, and they were fighting for, uh, uh, what do you call it, integration. And uh, that was too, too opposing the Nation of Islam and also uh, the civil rights movement. His powerful speeches had a powerful effect on many African Americans, mainly in the North and in the West. Uh, Southern blacks were more uh, involved in the civil rights movements because I believe that many of their leadership was in the South. And, you know, they took the more passive stand while in the North and West, you know, it was a little more militant stance. Malcolm was pushing for human rights while the civil rights movement were pushing for civil rights. See, the difference between civil rights and human rights, civil rights is the rights that America give you. Human rights is the rights that God gave to mankind. So uh, that's, you know, just common sense shows us that we need, first of all, human rights, and as a result of that, we demand our civil rights wherever we are in any kind of democracy. Malcolm was the most productive leader uh, under the Honorable Muhammad, out of all the ministers all over the country, he's credited with increasing the nation of Islam from the 50s and the 60s, uh, great numbers. Uh, whites and many blacks were alarmed by Malcolm by the things that he said. And many of the intellectual blacks, they would never say that they completely uh, believed Malcolm X or supported Malcolm X. They always would say, I believe in some of the things that he says. And these were people that used to always want an audience with him after meetings, etc. But it just goes to show that they really didn't have the courage in their heart to speak the truth. 
So they were alarmed right along with the people that Malcolm was addressing. They labeled him as a hate monger, among many, many other things. And he was often and not only antagonizing white folks, but also the civil rights movement and its leaders. In the 1960s, he... uh, uh, he could, he can. He made a comment on the assassination of uh, President Kennedy, and President Kennedy was loved by Americans, especially African Americans. Uh, he made the comment of chickens coming home to roost in the public, a public statement. Uh, and then I had read also where they said that he also added to that, saying, "Never did make me sad, always made me glad." Uh, actually, he was defying the orders, strict orders of the Ali Elijah Muhammad, and his orders were to show respect to President Kennedy, uh, uh, to not make any comments public, public comments to the press. And Malcolm went beyond that, and he made that comment, chickens coming home to roost. Uh, he would be suspended for 90 days, and 90 days meaning that he didn't have the right to speak or represent the Abulaz Muhammad in the public. In 1994, Malcolm announced his break with the Nation of Islam and was he, he made very clear that he was still Muslim and felt that the Nation of Islam had gone as far as it could go. He, he was uh, going to organize a black nationalist organization and I believe it was influenced by Patrice Lumumba, the African uh, African who was trying to establish the African uh, Unity Organization in Africa uh, when he was killed by, I believe it was the Belgians who colonized them uh, to heighten the political consciousness of African-American people, black nationalist organization to heighten the political consciousness of African-American people. He also expressed desire to work with the civil rights leaders. Malcolm X and Martin Luther King met in March 26, 1964 in Washington, D.C. And there's many, many pictures, I mean, the pictures in different places, I should say, of Martin and Malcolm meeting at that meeting. And that was the only meeting that they had. And you could tell the pleasant look that they had, cordial meeting, the pleasant looks on their face. And uh, we thank God for bringing those two giants together in our lifetime. The main reason for separation was growing tension. The main reason for Malcolm's separation was growing tension about rumors of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad extramarital affairs. And which, uh, which were confirmed also by uh, Imam Wadi Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad's son. He confirmed that. Also, envy and jealousy amongst ministers, thinking Malcolm had gotten really too big for his boots, so to speak. You know, he was a public figure. He was out in the open, and many people, I'm pretty certain, you know, they would have loved to have the, the position that Malcolm had just either even if it was for to be in the spotlight. Malcolm founded Muslim Mosque Incorporated 113th Street, a religious organization and a secular group, the Organization of African-American 
unity. And that masjid uh, is right there right now. It's 113th Street. I think the imam at that time was Imam Tawfiq. The imam now is Imam Talib Abdul Rashid, uh, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, I believe. And uh, Imam Wadi Muhammad encouraged Malcolm to go to Hajj. <clears throat> and he soon converted to Sunni Islam after he made his pilgrimage to Hajj. In April 
a fellow by the name of John Ali, which was a national uh, secretary of Elijah Muhammad in Chicago, and he was later revealed to be a government agent, um, commonly known government agent. He said, anyone who opposes the Elijah Muhammad puts their life in jeopardy. And these are things that are leaking out over a period of time. And then the Muhammad speaks in 1964, Minister Farrakhan mentioned, actually it's December 4, 64, Minister Farrakhan said, such a man as Malcolm is worthy of death. And then on June uh, 1964, a call to his home, to his wife, tell him he's as good as dead. And in June 1964, June 12th in 1964, another call, Malcolm is going to be bumped off. The Nation of Islam sued to claim Malcolm's Queen's residence, which they owned and ordered him and his family out. But before he can leave, his house was burnt to the ground, his family inside. And we heard some comments and some statements directly after that, and we can tell by his voice. We saw fear, anxiety, uh, and many, many different things we heard in the voice of Malcolm. No one was charged for that. Uh, on February 21, 1965, Malcolm was assassinated in the Audubon Ballroom preparing to address the Organization of African American Unity membership that was there. It was a distraction in the back. Nigga, get out of my pocket. A man in the front row shot him in with a sawed-off shotgun. Two others charged the stage and fired handguns. He was pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. at the Columbia Presbyterian Hospital which was right across the street from the speaking place, the Audubon Ballroom, he was shot 21 times. Uh, there was a person on this dais with him. I guess he was one of his security people, and he tried to give mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. And it was later discovered that that individual also was an undercover agent. And some people say he helped to quicken his death because never do you give mouth-to-mouth uh, -mouth resuscitation with a chest wound. And he had many chest wounds because he was shot point-blank in the chest with a shotgun. So, uh, and, and actually that fellow who we're speaking about, he came, he was on television, I think it was like it is. And, uh, you know, all of his, 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 you can tell he was very troubled, especially when Malcolm's uh, true picture was put in the proper light. It troubled him really bad, you could tell. You know, his teeth had fallen out in the front. Uh, he looked uh, uh, like a drunk, uh, looked like he was drinking. Uh, he looked like an alcoholic. Uh, his part, his hair was receding, and he just looked really bad. So, uh, you know, sometimes we do things without thinking, and later on we pay the consequences for it. You know, three people were arrested. <clears throat> Uh, all were convicted and sentenced to 25 to life. You know, the main individual who uh, pleaded guilty to his part, he was one, and there were two other individuals that information came out later. They weren't even at the scene. 
the cops happen to know their name. I know this firsthand because I spoke to them. You know, the cops knew their names and knew where they were located. I mean, they just had, I think they had some conflict to confrontation with them that day before, and they had them uh, just let them out of the precinct, and they were convenient. So the one individual that was caught at the scene and the other two was caught after. So they all got 25 to life. And uh, this individual, is, he's the one that was actually caught in 1997, 77 and 78. Uh, the shooter who admitted he uh, submitted two sworn affidavits claiming that the other two, which is Butler and Johnson, were not involved in the assassination. And he named four men, members of the Nation of Islam, out of Jersey, New Jersey. They called it Temple Number 25, uh, a conspiracy. And uh, there's a, I, 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 have, I think I have the, matter of fact, I had it. I know I had it. The legal papers, he gave me a copy because I know him personally. He had since gotten out of jail. He had um, confessed his faults. He confessed his faults. He admitted everything that he did. And he tried to set the record straight, but the court wouldn't accept it, that these two other individuals were guilty. And they had gotten out of prison after serving uh, 25, around 25 or maybe a couple of years more. But he went on to serve about 30-some-odd years. And many, much of it was in the work release program. He had gotten married. He attended the mosque. He became a Sunni Muslim. And, uh, you know, God bless him, you know. He knew he was wrong. He did wrong. He confessed his faults. And he confessed his faults to God. And he accepted God's way. So, quite nicely, if God forgive you, then we also have to forgive. And uh, God knows best. So this is why I say that it is a conspiracy. And many of us believe the same thing, that that whole action was a conspiracy. And behind the scene were the actual players manipulating members of the Nation of Islam. And there were those who were fanning the flames to make sure that their mission uh, was completely taken care of. Uh, Malcolm was, uh, was laid out at Unity Funeral Home at 7th Avenue in Harlem. And I believe it was as many as 30,000 people attended the viewing. And his funeral was at the Faith Temple Church of God in Christ. And uh, many people attended. Many civil rights leaders also attended. John Lewis, Bayard Ruskin, uh, James Farmer, Andrew Young, and uh, Ozzie Davis uh, delivered the, the eulogy. And I think he pretty much summarized what Malcolm uh, represented. And uh, it was our shining black prince. And uh, quite nicely, the more knowledge that people have of the life of Malcolm X and what he went through, you know, they're able to understand and show great respect. And one of the things that brought us closer to Malcolm X, those of us who were in the nation of Islam, Imam Warthi Muhammad, our leader, the son of Elijah Muhammad, he named the temple, temple number seven, when it became a Sunni mosque, he named it Masjid Malcolm Shabazz. 
And that was one of the greatest tributes that could be given to a person to have the house of God, the place that we make sajda, the place that we pray to God, named after an individual for the great accomplishments that he made for the betterment of mankind. And I thank you for uh, being a part of this program today. Uh, anyone tune in on the archives, and uh, may God continue to bless you and also your family. Peace.